In this video, Dr. Rotsani Moloiwa shares why he believes it is important to be courageous and realistic in the workplace. Dr. Rutani is the director of the Pediatric HIV Clinical Services at the Hruota Skior Hospital. My name is Rutani Mruiwa and I was born in what was then the Vendeland in, in, in what is now the Limpopo province. I then studied for my first degree at the University of um, what was then the University of Natal in, um, and qualified as a medical doctor. After that, I trained as a pediatrician at the University of Cape Town um, and the Red Cross War Memorial Children's Hospital. Did a couple of things, worked uh, with uh, students in the, with the Christian Medical Fellowship, uh, the International Christian Medical and Dental Association. And I did a few other things and then came back to Cape Town just over a decade ago uh, to work again at the Red Cross War Memorial Children's Hospital. And I'm um, right there now as the professor and head of pediatrics and child health. My father has a very good friend who's a GP. And, you know, as you grow up and you see them and you see them working and you see the kind of work they do, you kind of get attracted to that kind of field. And um, at one stage, I thought I wasn't going to do it. I thought I was going to do like engineering or just pure sciences. I loved physics. And I also thought at one stage that maybe I would study theology or, um, um, or even um, arts, you know, looking at languages. You know, you could say that I was pretty much dear McCarr in terms of what to do. Um, but in the end, I decided right at the at the end of my high school to go into into medicine. And that's when I applied to, to study medicine. I've been very, very fortunate in terms of how one would think of job as a calling. I've always thought of everything that I do as a calling. So the job is just one of those things. I come from a very small community of people who grew up in a Calvinistic uh, kind of environment. I was, I was born and brought up in a Harfarmier de Kerk, in the, which is quite uncommon for someone who comes from um, you know, a, a black African background in this country. And part of what I learned from the beginning was that um, I was called into the world, that we are all called into the world. So whatever one does is a way of worshiping God. So from the outset, whatever I've been doing and whatever I had to do, I've always felt that that is a calling because that is the only way that it makes sense in, in terms of what one does. What does courage in the workplace mean? I think most of the time the courage that we lack is not so much courage to do things as much as courage to see things for what they are. The idea of courage, and, and, and if, if, if I can tell you a bit about what, what I've done since I finished doing pediatrics, for example, I left um, Cape Town uh, when I could have stayed, and I was actually being offered opportunities to stay or even to study overseas, and I decided to leave the Western Cape to go to a rural province, the Limpopo. I subsequently resigned as a specialist and I worked as a medical officer in a small rural missionary hospital in which I was born. But the reason I did that was for me to learn to see how the majority of people in this country live. Um, because for me, at work, in my work, is to be able to see things for what they are, is to have the courage to see. And the, and the reason why I think that is where most courage fails is if you see things for what they are, you no longer have a right to act different from that which you perceive things to be. Seeing things for what they are in many ways commands you to act in a different way to reflect that reality. So for me, courage at work means courage to 
live in the truth. When I was a student, one guy once who came from Kerala in India talked about the story of John, John uh, the Baptist. And he said John had these amazing three characteristics about him. He was nameless, he was um, um, selfless, and he was fearless. They all coalesce in, in a way because the selflessness of John is that he was very happy to be a servant and serve in that space in which he was and, um, and very happy to let Christ be Christ. When he was asked, when he was told, you know, the guy that he baptized is now like bringing all this crowd, he said, let him increase while I decrease. But in the same time, he was also nameless. He was happy to be a servant in that space. When he was asked, are you Elijah? Are you? He said, no, I'm just a voice in the wilderness, defining himself by the calling into which God has called him. Finally, he was fearless. He was not afraid to express in that space um, what the truth needs to look like. In many ways, those who are called into a world that is literally unfair and unjust and in each and every working environment. That is the reality into the world that we are called into. People thought I was committing career suicide by resigning as a specialist to go and work in a rural area. For me, it was not that I was making courageous decision. I was probably running away from something I couldn't live with. So, so, so this is the difficulty of that. So the question is, what can you live with? What can you be happy to go to bed with when things are what they are? And in many ways, the choice is about how to reflect the God in whom you believe. You know, you become the God that you worship. If we are made in God's image and God is the one who calls us to live into the truth, if we are made in his image, the only way to reflect that is living according to that calling. But that, by definition, becomes that courage. Does courage always lead to success? Well, I don't know. Again, I suppose it depends on how you define success. If one does something because they want to be successful, then they've got a problem. Um, they've got a problem because it puts on them the obligation to guarantee what cannot be guaranteed. Again, I think it was Mother Teresa who said this best. When she was being asked about her work in, in Calcutta and she was being asked, you know, with so much suffering, this multitude of people that you're trying to, to help, how, how can you do it? I mean, how can you even hope to be successful? She said, well, we were called not to be successful, but we're called to be obedient. And once you realize that, you realize that the goal for which one lives and the goals for which one wakes up every morning is very different from what one would call success. If being obedient is that goal, then success is guaranteed. And this is quite important. Was Moses successful? I mean, <laughs> a few um, um, months ago, I was talking to students and I was telling them that the major problem with us is people saying, you know, you want to be the Joshua generation. He conquered the land, he got the land. Than Moses, who doesn't see the promised land. But what about if your calling is to prepare people for a future that you will not see? How do you become successful in building a cathedral if all you'll do is put, in, put down the foundation. But you are successful if your calling is that and you say, my word 
this is an amazing foundation and that's all that you do in that project. Since I was young, I think I was uh, in primary school when I thought the Bible is such a fascinating book. So there's not a single verse in the whole Bible that I have not read. And throughout that, what one sees is a unified um, theme. For a number of aspects in my life, I've always gone back to, to different areas. I kept on going back to the story in, in Genesis of the patriarchs, which had been very important for me. And that was a story of, 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 of Jacob. You know, when Jacob comes into Egypt and he goes to see Pharaoh, Pharaoh asks me a question, um, how old are you? And he says, the years of my surgeon have been, I think 137 years, they've been few and full of trouble and they've not attained the years of my father. So he describes this reality, this truth of how his life had evolved. But the following chapter, when he blesses um, Joseph's children, he says those amazing words, to God who has been my shepherd my whole life until this day, you know, the angel who has kept me. It's just an amazing thing to realize that. The ability to remember, to remember rightly, the journey that God has taken you through and knowing as he passes this same belief and faith and hope to the next generation that they can look back into that history. So for me, the passage that I hang on to all the time is the whole Bible because it is the anchor of that memory and remembering right in order to inform the future correctly. The idea of how would one know that the next thing that they have to do is the right thing to do and that they are putting courage in the right um, direction, I think it's a very difficult question. Courage or any of our actions do not occur in a vacuum. And I think it's not always easy to know what one ought to do or what one ought not to do. For me, it has always been asking myself whether what I'm doing or what I need to embark on is, has got a, a biblical principle basis on which to act. And for me, that is, is key all the time. And sometimes part of that may look like you are not being courageous. There are areas, for example, where people expect you to speak out because it's an injustice, and you can do so. And the way you do it may look courageous, but may end up without getting um, the outcome that one would want to see in that space in terms of healing or whatever else it is. And the courage there may be to be seen to be acting in a weak way or in a non-courageous way. And in fact, the courage required is to do exactly that, which may even call into question your own commitment. I think for me, I have always tried as best as I can to let what um, Paul talks about, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that is allowing God to be the umpire of the actions in which um, you are taking part. If you watch a game of football and someone may be past the ball and they think they're in a great position to score a goal, and then suddenly they may hear the whistle blowing and they're like, they look around saying, what have I done wrong? Only to see the flag up to show that they were offside. And that's what the Spirit of God does in our lives. If we let God rule in our hearts, as, as, as Paul says, be that umpire, the peace of God really does guide us in knowing what the truth that we ought to live should look like. Mm -hmm.